whiskey. What are we drinking whiskey out of? Welcome to Barstool Film School, the podcast about watching movies, drinking in bars, and movies that are fun to watch while you're drinking in a bar. I am your host, Dylan. I am an author, a publisher, and a film school washout. And I am joined, as always, by my intrepid co-host, Cameron Roberts, restaurateur and bar owner. Cameron, how are you doing today? I'm, I'm doing really good. I'm, I'm doing more than good. I'm doing every single conceivable version of any emotion that any one of myself could have across the <laughs> multiverse, because we are here today to talk about everything, everywhere, all at once. What do you say, Cameron? Should we start the show? Let's do it. All right. Thanks for sitting down with me today. I'm glad to see you. Well, it's good to be here, Dylan. <laughs> I'm just like reading my notes and getting distracted. Yeah, that's I'm perfect. Like so that's perfect. overwhelmed. We're with already this movie. extremely drunk, so no, don't even worry not about it. E- not even close yet. <laughs> but I'm just like, there's so much random stuff to talk about uh, this movie. Really. Yeah, this it's movie just, is full of random in the yeah. best possible way. Uh, before we dive into any of that, though, uh, what are you drinking, Cameron? Uh, I'm drinking Hop Valley. Uh, it's their pineapple uh, hazy. But the reason why I like Ooh, uh, theirs is they do. Um, it's a uh, cryo hops, so it just it's not quite as hoppy or like punches you in the face with this beer with you know as much hop. Yeah, it's kind of a little bit lighter, more herbal. Cryo. Um, cryo means they're adding the hops, not in the boiling process, but the cooling process. See, this is what you tune in for. People. And then <laughs> no, 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 I'm serious. I'm, then, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm wrapped. Yeah, My attention but, is. <laughs> <laughs> completely held. Uh, and then that what what that does is instead of, you know, because like if you boil tea, right, uh-huh. it's going to be way stronger. Sure. If you like left tea in a cold cup, you'd get like just the notes of the tea. Mm. So it's similar process in the thought of like adding the hops later, later instead on. of in the boiling process. And you get hops, but it's not like in your face with hops. Which is where I, that's where I am with what I want with IPAs now. Yeah, same. Is yeah. I'm 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 old now and yep. IPAs are super fucking intense. So that sounds good. I'm drinking Hopworks Urban Brewery and it's got a frog on it. I like it from what I've had. Oh, it's an organic pale ale. That's probably why I like it. True frog. Uh, it's not super hoppy. It's very drinkable. It's also quite cold, so thank you for that. <laughs> uh, would you like a little whiskey? Yes, please. My pleasure. And here you are. Thank you. So, Cameron, you are basically the resident expert on this film because you have seen it how many times? <laughs> I think uh, four or five times. I watched it with a lot of people who had not watched it, and I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll do it again. And so you, you were popping E-E-A-A-O cherries left and right? <laughs> yeah. Just left and right. I even like, you know, it's weird. I've watched this. I don't know. This is the, I don't know how many times I've watched it actually completely through without like stopping a mm-hmm. few times. I think I recently I've just, uh, when I was in Thailand this last time, I just like watched 
the first part one time and then I watched like the last part okay. one time. Kind of hopped I, in and out. Kind of hopped in and out. Just like kind of what I was feeling uh, because, you know, as we'll get to it, it they're very different feels kind of like to the first half. There the are, half, yeah. yeah, I mean, there's the, there are the act breaks like mm-hmm. in the film, but even within those, there are points when you can hit pause mm-hmm. and come back later because like the film goes through so many like there's there's times in the movie where like tons of stuff is happening while in one of the other timelines that's also unfolding like it's nothing it's two people having conversation in a van but mm. that moment for them is having like huge impacts in these other areas so you can kind of like you can find little nice like bookended segments that that are not in the traditional spots or even where the daniels are telling you to look so i guess that's a nice segue into who directed this film? Who wrote it? Who's in it? Uh, we've got the Daniels, writers and directors of Swiss Army Man fame and the Turn Down for What music video, which I found <laughs> out today while doing research, which I'm a fan of that video. So, <laughs> uh, yeah. what, are we, what do we got here? We've the, got the uh, girl from that video is the uh, Indian uh, woman in the no kidding the dancing and the weird with the hot dog the, fingers. The, well, she, in the hot dog universe, she has hot dog fingers, but like they, she's always like playing that. Indian... Yeah, yeah, the movie in the laundromat. Yeah, yeah, That's the, the girl laundromat. from the Turn Down for What yeah. video? That's hilarious. <laughs> I love that. I love that. So other notable people besides the girl from the Turn Down for What? <laughs> I don't... Well, I'm not sure. Did she win an Academy Award? No, she did. Because basically did. everybody yeah. involved in this movie won an Academy Award. Yeah, almost. Except for uh, Stephanie. Which was... Hmm. That's something, right? Well, I mean, Jamie Lee beat her out as Best Supporting Actress, but I mean... <laughs> uh, that was definitely like a Lifetime Achievement Award, not... Like, that yeah. was like, we're sorry for all those years we didn't give you one for other movies you were in that were better than this one. Yeah. Because um, she's good in it, don't get me yeah. wrong, but I mean, her character has a lot less growth or in yeah. places to go than uh, Stephanie's I mean, the, character. The, the one thing I will give uh, for Jamie... As opposed to Stephanie, I think Stephanie brought it and 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 so for much. people listening, these are all close personal friends of ours, which yeah, is yeah. why we're on no, a totally. first name basis. With yeah, them. yeah, so exactly. Anyway, continue. Um, <laughs> the, uh, is that Jamie had to play multiple different versions, like and and like Stephanie did too, like in some aspects she but had you're like right, you're right, you're she right. had like like kind of, but she was still, I think, in a lot of ways, all of her characters were still like just angry at her mom mm-hmm. but like an amazing she did an amazing job and i was like you know she made me cry and everything and i don't know if, i don't think jamie made me cry but like jamie was scary weird like this machismo kind of comedic she was also comedic but then she was also like you know playing with hot dog fingers and yeah. like, was like having a, a love scene a riveting like yeah. a marriage dissolving <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know. so she like had to do a lot more i would say like more just a lot of more random kind of like and make you feel all those things without making it too like it's true and she weird. she plays almost the red herring villain yeah i mean yeah. In, in some in some universe in in not the alpha verse but in in some of the universes she is pretty much the top tier antagonist until mm-hmm. um jobu Tupaki comes along and <laughs> Good. i'm glad you got, that got right. it this time you guys have no idea how many bloopers we had to start the show like 50 times because i couldn't say the name right uh so for the rest of the people who are involved in this film we have michelle yao 
from Crouching Tiger fame and also a thousand other movies. Check your local IMDb because um, I'm not going to read them all here. That's not what this program's about. But uh, then Stephanie Sue. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, well, okay. Jamie Lee ja- or Jamie, good friend. Uh, we have Ki Hui Kwan. He's awesome. You know him from uh, Indiana Jones, the bad one, but he's great in it. And you also know him from Goonies, and he's also good in that. And then other <laughs> films as well. And then this out of nowhere, James Hong, which I have a funny James Hong story to tell at some point. Uh, just remind me uh, because it's totally weird. Uh, and then you know other people here and there, but those are our those are our main our main actors, our main hitters, mm-hmm. our heavy hitters. Uh, so this movie swept the Academy Awards. Yeah. Like top to bottom, pretty much. I think yeah. it scooped up just about everything there was except for best actor because it went it, to Brendan, Brendan Fraser. Fraser. Yeah. And so, uh, they didn't have a best actor. Well, I mean like, I Wayne, don't think Wayne everything they got, they got creative with yeah. like this. Yeah. He's the, the best movie, supporting he's actor. He's the best supporting actor because Michelle Yao is technically the main, is, is definitely the main character, yeah. not technically. So like, but there are, I've seen the Academy kind of like they get a little flexible with that rule sometimes. Like, yeah, you know, I mean, there's Cause a, he's he's pretty much up there as like probably as far as screen time goes, he's pretty close to having a lot of. I mean, he has a lot he's of got screen a ton. time. Yeah, and so, he's got a lot of. He does a ton of character work in this movie. So much. Um, and he's like one of the most like sympathetic characters you're ever gonna meet in your life. Um, we here at the program. Uh, have been working hard in the lab to develop a better system of rating for films uh, for the purposes of this program, which is whether or not it's a good movie to watch in a bar, a bar a movie, or a movie that passes the bar. This is These are all phrases that we might use interchangeably. Uh, at the end of our Lady in the Water episode, which was the last one, we, we sat down, we crunched the numbers, you know, we took it into the lab, and we, re- and we came up with a new metric for how we will determine if a movie passes the bar or not. Do you want to explain that, Cameron, or shall I? Sure. I mean, we're, we're basically giving it... Four different categories that we'll talk about kind of in here. Uh, the first one is going to be pacing and how it feels, how the movie feels paced. If you can watch it in a bar, can you jump in and out of it? Mm-hmm. Um, the second one will be like rewatchability. Uh, that will be like how many times can you rewatch it? Can you watch it again? Or is it just like a one and done kind of movie? Right. Like, like uh, And the rewatchability comes into play because it's like... Sometimes if you've seen if you if you've seen a movie a lot of times and you like to see that movie a lot of times, if you come in halfway through at the bar, you'll still stick around and watch it. Totally. But if it's a bad movie that doesn't have good rewatchability, like Lady in the Water, totally. you'll leave the bar. Yeah. And the bartender will be upset that they put it on. So <laughs> yeah. yes. Anyway. And continue. there's also, you know, like we'll, what we'll talk about is in the rewatchability will also probably be like things that maybe surprise you the second time around. Yeah. You didn't notice second mm-hmm. time or whatever. Um the third Part would be uh, like the WTF factor. Sure. Like, is it just like, did it shock you? Are you kind of just entertained by like what the hell is going on? Because it's on in a bar, presumably. Yeah. So you're like, what? look up at the yeah. screen and you see something that's like, wait, what's happening? And yeah. you just have to, yeah. Like if you've never seen this movie and it's up inside of a bar and you're <laughs> yeah. just like watching what is going on and you're like, Wait, what? is that guy trying yeah. to put something up his butt <laughs> yeah, right now? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. If you have zero reference point, like, are you, did you say, do you actually utter out loud, what the fuck? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, the last one uh, of this these categories is, is it pretty? Yeah. You know, I mean, because most likely sounds off, 
Yeah. Like you're looking at things. Does it look nice? Is it yeah. fun to watch? Is it is it visually yeah. engaging? Yeah. Um, so check, 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 and check. Uh, good night, everyone. This yeah. is a good bar movie. <laughs> no, end of program. Yeah. No, just kidding. All right, we got we got stuff to get into here, but uh, I would say, uh, for my money, and and you know we can come back to this at the end. It sort of definitely meets the yeah. it, it it meets the standard. Without even having to talk about it, I feel like if you've seen this movie, you know that it probably meets a standard. I mean, obviously, you know, it swept the Oscars. It, it was, uh, it was kind of came out of nowhere, I feel like, uh, for the most part. They did a limited release, and it's one of the only movies in, like, recent years where after opening weekend, it got more. Oh, okay. Uh, it didn't do, like, the drop-off. Yeah, it, like, in fact, had a word of up, mouth, yeah, actually, and, and social media... Um, and then they started widening its release, and then once they started widening the release, more people could go see it, and so it actually like had like a huge second life kind of. Uh, and it's back in theaters now again. Yeah, yeah. No, and this is short. This is after the Oscars is when we're mm-hmm. recording, and yeah, it's it's playing in our local independent theater. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and it's it highest grossing movie A twenty four has ever had. Yeah, so which is crazy. A twenty four big. You know they're big in the indie game, and they've put out some heavy hitters, like in terms of like instant cult classics. Um, but this is definitely the biggest thing they've done, and they might they might be chasing this one for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the uh, thing that struck me about it when it first when I first started to see chatter on the internet before it came out, I saw a preview for it, and um, I'm a big like multiverse head. I've been steeped in multiverse stuff for a few years because of a book I was writing. And, um, so I was like, oh, this is great. What a great, I love, I, I, I'm, I've been waiting for this idea to really make it onto the screen because it's such a, it could be such a visual mm-hmm. and, and they just, they demonstrated that it is such a visually exciting, uh, idea, you know, the, uh, this concept, like in terms of editing, what you can do with editing, what mm-hmm. you can do with, uh, special effects, um, allowing you to see multiple things happening at once or the impact of something that seems benign in one storyline having a huge physical impact in another one, whatever, whatever. So I mm-hmm. saw the previews and I was like, this looks fucking rad. Plus Michelle Yao, I was like, I grew up on Crouching Tiger that came out um, when I was in high school. And it was like an early introduction. Might I might have seen that. That Was that pre-Matrix maybe even? Maybe, no. maybe not. Ooh. But it was my first experience with like Hong Kong action movie wire work. And I remember being totally blown away with that idea and having my dad explain to me how like in these types of movies, like chi is a thing and you can like use it to like levitate or run on a bamboo. It's you one know, year after the matrix. One year after the matrix. Okay. So 2000. it's matrix was 99. Okay. So it's kind of like, Hey, America's ready for this. Now. Yeah. Cause the matrix cribbed from Hong Kong action movies, like oh, yeah. hardcore, yeah. hardcore with all the wire work yeah. and the, and the Kung Fu. Yeah. Uh, so when I saw the previews for everything and I'm like everything everywhere all at once and I see Michelle Yao's in it and it looks weird, you know, and it looks cool and it looks action packed. I was totally excited. Uh, and then Marvel starts pushing hard on their Dr. Strange Mm -hmm. and the multiverse of madness. And that sort of like seemed like it was almost poised to just consume everything everywhere all at once to consume its audience to just eat it and gobble it up. And there would be nothing left for them because yeah. they're just this little indie movie and their effects budget, their hold their budget in general is small and everything. And the Daniels Swiss Army Man at that point hadn't done a ton yeah. of films, like one other film. 
And that is just not what happened because you had seen everything everywhere all at once before you and I with another person went to see Dr. Strange. You'll remember that night is the night yeah. that I spilled an entire beer all over <laughs> myself at the bar uh, and then had to chug another one real quick before we went to the movie. And so then I was like stinking like beer and the high school kids that were selling me popcorn were really uncomfortable because <laughs> I, <laughs> I smelled like the most alcoholic of alcoholics you could imagine. Uh, but I maintain that I spilled a beer on myself that wasn't my breath. Anyway, we watched that Dr. Strange movie and we're both just like, and you'd seen everything and you were like, you, you were like, I don't think this is going to measure up. You just, your spidey sense mm-hmm. was tingling before yeah. that movie even started. Yeah. And, uh, suffice to say you were right. Yeah. Cause I'll go on the record as saying that Dr. Strange movie is fucking trash. I hated yeah. it. And I love Sam Raimi. So make sense yeah. out of that sentence. But there were fun uh, scenes, but it was, a, it was, it was not fun to watch. It just didn't hit me. It didn't hit anywhere. And it completely, like, to say it squanders the mm-hmm. multiverse, I, the idea of the multiverse is being polite. Yeah, for sure. It's like, it's insulting to the audience. Yeah. It's, it thinks you're so fucking stupid that you can't handle that as an idea. And yeah. so it doesn't even really try. Whereas this movie does try to present a multiverse that works according totally. to the rules that, that they lay out in their film. They're not trying totally. to be like string theorists over here or anything. They're like, this is how the multiverse works in our movie, which they control as the writers. So, And then they adhere to it, and they explore it, and they don't treat you like an idiot. Mm-hmm. Um, and they have a lot of fun with it, too. So, Well, the interesting thing about that, too, is that this movie was made in like January of 2020. Mm-hmm. Like This movie was made way before. Like In fact... They thought about this movie, uh, like I don't can't remember what the date was, but it was it was a while ago, and they just didn't think that anybody would be interested in a multiverse thing. Really, like, and so it kind of got shelved a little bit. And yeah, because they wrapped. I re- I saw today in an interview uh, on yeah. Colbert, Michelle Yao was there, and she said they wrapped one day before COVID lockdowns. Yeah. And I was they, like, wait, what? This movie was sitting on a shelf for like the entire yeah. pandemic, basically. Yeah. No, and it. They filmed it in 35 days. Which is insane. Which is insane. They filmed it in just, like, basically in January of 2020, and that Mm -hmm. was it. Like, while COVID was just about to start. Start to blow up, yeah. And so then, you know, then it it happens to release in a time where, like, there's also, like, five other multiverse movies or whatever. I don't know. Kind of starting to work their way out. Yeah, So, like, it kind of felt like it was a part of it, because, you know, like, Spider-Man and the Marvel is just, like, Yes, Marvel. That's true. That's true. And same with, like, DC is also trying to do the multiverse thing at the same Mm -hmm. time. So it just felt very, Mm -hmm. like, oh, another movie about the multiverse. But, like, they had technically got this all written out, and they were doing it before any of those multiverse movies kind of really hit the ground. Yeah, no, no, no. It's it's you're right. As you mentioned, the DC. I'm not a big like CWDC guy. Way back in the day, I used to watch a little Green Arrow and and a little Flash, and I kind of tuned out. But way back in the early days, the Flash was tinkering with the multiverse mm-hmm. stuff, which I know that comes from the comic books. Don't email me. I'm aware. I'm aware that I'm not aware. But um, the it, the film came out like right before the Doctor Strange. So uh mm-hmm. two, no, which sure. was definitely like poised to it was almost like billed mm-hmm. to be this like grudge match between two multiverse movies. Mm-hmm. Um it's funny you brought up the Spider Man uh No Way Home because that is a Marvel movie that handles the multiverse concept better than the movie that has multiverse in the name. Yeah. Um because we're just like instead of 
going through multiverses, we're just bringing them all to one. Mm-hmm. So it kind of helped. Like, yeah, it was fun. It was easy. I mean, that Spider-Man movie is arguably entertaining to watch. Oh, like, yeah. That is a very I, entertaining I, I, I like it's The weirder thing about it, though, unlike this movie... Uh, every time I watch that Spider-Man movie, I like it less. And I've watched yeah, it. I've true. watched it twice now, and the drop-off was really steep yeah. between the first and second viewings. Sure. So much so that I'm like kind of afraid to watch it a third time yeah. in the next couple of years because well, the jokes don't feel genuine. They kind of feel flat, and they're fun at the time because you're like, like kind of overwhelmed with nostalgia for mm-hmm. like a yeah. Tobey Maguire. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the nostalgia is, like, is hard. Which is which is why it's so fun. I think, but like the movie itself is not like phenomenal. I don't no. think by any means. No. It's entertaining, but it's not phenomenal. So yeah. we've been kind of dancing yeah. around some Marvel stuff here. It's come up a lot for a movie that's not a Marvel movie. But here's an interesting connection to the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Were you aware that the fight choreographers, who are brothers, un, not unlike, mm-hmm. you know, so the fight choreographers for this film, uh, Andy and Brian Lee, have appeared in the MCU. Where where do they do? The whole oh, Shang-Chi? Yeah. Yeah, that yeah. Oh, yeah, makes sense. So Brian uh, is the death dealer. One of the brothers is the death dealer from Shang Chi, the guy in the like painted Japanese is he mask, the bald dude or, the, or the not Japanese mask. The, yeah, he's no, he's in the painted mask. Mm-hmm. You can't see his face. Mm-hmm. He's that guy. Which one of the brothers is that? Is that the one? The not bald one. Not bald one. Yeah. Okay, cool, cool. Um, the one in this movie. <laughs> I like how that's how we're describing it. <laughs> bald I'm sorry. Not bald. I'm really sorry. I don't <laughs> no, know. no, it's true. Well, don't know your guys' names enough to... I'm, I apologize. Well, you might soon, because apparently <laughs> yeah. they're in high demand after awesome. this uh, this film, which they filmed before Shang-Chi, even. Mm-hmm. Um, which, you're right. Like They put this movie in the can a long time ago, because yeah. we're talking Shang-Chi... And then Doctor Strange, it's Spider Man, yeah. and then Doctor Strange, and then their movie comes out. Yeah, to, to duke it out with Doctor Strange, but um, then uh, and and the other brother did stunts in the film as well. Um, I thought this was kind of funny. Uh, the one of the brothers, the one who uh, plays the bald security guard, mm-hmm. uh, we shall refer to him as Butt Plug Brother. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we both put butt. I know. Plug <laughs> one has the long butt plug. One has a short butt plug. We can call him Short Butt Plug. Short Butt Plug. So bald and short butt plug. He is Nick Frost's uh, stunt double in, in the Badlands or Into the Badlands, this AMC oh, show that people yeah, watch, yeah, yeah. apparently. I, I saw the first season. And it's like Kung Fu or something, yeah, right? it's kind of fun. It, Yeah, it, the story is not super engaging, but like the fight choreography is awesome. Okay. Yeah, so it's he's, fun to watch. He, I just love the idea that he's Nick Frost of like, you know, Shaun of the yeah, Dead yeah. fame. No, yeah, totally. He's his, like, anytime Nick Frost apparently has to do Kung Fu in this show, it's actually just the other guy. <laughs> I definitely don't remember Nick Frost doing Kung Fu in that movie. Well, maybe when he's, like, getting he's... thrown through a window or yeah. falling down the stairs or something. Or maybe he's a part of, like, the other seasons he does. It's like, yeah, yeah it's behind his, behind from behind. And he's yeah, just, like, yeah, doing cha, all cha, 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 and he's got yeah. a wig on. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> these dudes, though, the, the Lee bros, self-taught. Mm-hmm. They're not... Like trained martial artists, and they choreographed this movie. It's amazing. Ba- basically, they have a YouTube channel uh, with a friend of theirs, and I believe it's called the Martial Arts Academy, uh, where they just would do these choreographed fight scenes and put them up on YouTube, and then they started to get like hundreds of thousands and then mm-hmm. millions of views, and then Hollywood came a knocking with the uh, Daniels, yeah, specifically. Um, they grew up watching 
like mm-hmm. Hong Kong action movies with Michelle Yao. They're the children of immigrants. Um, and so their families were like, there's like a funny interview I read where their families were like, their, their mom and dad rather were like, you know, wanting them to become doctors and really do that kind of like Asian, the children of Asian immigrants thing, like really yeah. pushing them to like get into specific fields, like accounting or whatever. Mm-hmm. And they were like, no, we want to make fight videos with our friend on the internet. <laughs> and then now here they are. Right. Yeah, and seriously. and their parents were just like over the moon to see them like sharing the screen, both in this and Shang-Chi with, cause Shang-Chi, you know, we could say we, you and I've had conversations about that movie off the record, mm-hmm. on the record. We both felt kind of, mm, especially mm-hmm. once we go to, like magic land where there's goblins mm. coming out of a mountain and stuff and it just turns into a computer game. But, um, like there's tons of top tier. Yeah. Fight scenes and top tier Hong Kong, like yeah. icons, action and, movie icons yeah. in that movie. And so like the parents of these two young guys who are just like coming up in the ranks are like seeing their kids, you know, their sons like share the screen with like Michelle Yao or, you know, yeah. in Shang-Chi and they're like, okay, you guys did choose the right career path. Yeah. You're, you're in too deep. So I just thought that was like a kind of neat thing that like not only did the Daniels take like a risk with them because uh, they're relatively unknown, yeah. but now it really paid off because, I mean, one of the things that works so well about this movie is – the action, mm-hmm. it is part of what makes the the pacing, uh, what part of what sure. contributed to my yeah. A plus that I gave this movie for pacing. It's not the only thing, obviously. Like the script is really tight, the editing is really tight. Yeah. It it moves along like just yeah. as a story, but the action scenes. We're not doing like any of this like Zack Snyder ultra slow mo like that takes forever to like throw two punches because isn't it just like so dramatic like it's it's almost like watching a Jackie Chan movie a little bit the way the fight totally. scenes go like everything is everything's a weapon mm-hmm. which I well, love they originally were cast cast Jackie Chan to play Michelle Yeoh's character oh interesting yeah. that no, they wrote a much different it would have such a different movie and that's why they changed it is they. Originally thought it was going to be uh, like a, a male lead, mm. and they were gonna they like ha- were gonna have Jackie Chan do it, uh, or they were gonna ask Jackie Chan to do it. I don't know if they actually got around to asking him, but uh, they changed it because they just thought it hit better as like kind of a mother as a mother drama, drama. yeah. Uh, and it and I think it does. I mean, I like a hundred percent. I think Michelle Yeoh. I mean, obviously she won Best Actress. She's she stole the show in that sense, but. But, you know, back to your point of, like, action and pacing, I I agree entirely. You can look at a lot of action movies these days where you it just gets exhausting. You're yeah. watching people fight, and you're just, like, start getting tired mm-hmm. of just, like, watching them do. And, and a really big thing, uh, and it's, like, an, a really amazing thing to be able to do with an action movie is to not get bored like you know is is to like be able to watch it and like every move is distinct enough to like be its own performance piece almost you know and that's kind of what this movie does it's like he doesn't you know like the first fight scene is with the fanny pack and you're just kind of like everything that he does with the fanny pack is a different move he's not using the same move twice he's like wrapping around his neck Mm -hmm. or then he like fills it with rocks and then he starts swinging around Yeah. yeah and then like he gets the clip inside someone's nose and pulls him down. Like it's yeah. all it's every different. there's yeah. a, and and it's so creative and inventive. And that's kind of why I mentioned Jackie Chan. Like mm-hmm. I, I, as a kid, I used to love watching Jackie Chan movies because when the shit was about to hit the fan and he couldn't, 
<laughs> like yeah. that famous, like that. There's a gif going, or there's a meme going around. Jackie Chan being like, "I don't want to fight you." Proceeds to like yeah. decimate twenty guys. Please, yeah. I don't want to fight. Yeah. <laughs> like put somebody's head through a window. I just don't want to fight you. you yeah. Know? yeah. <laughs> anyway, but before before the fighting, when he would be telling people, "I don't want to fight you," as a kid, I'd be looking around the scene and mm-hmm. saying, "What is he going to use here that I can see to start beating the shit yeah. out of people?" You know, and then it would sometimes he'd surprise me. I'm like, oh, well, I, I see a I see a shovel over there in the corner. He's definitely going to use that. Oh no, he didn't use that. He used a ladder instead. Yeah. Yeah. He fought like six guys with a ladder. Yeah, and I love that about I love that about um, those those Jackie Chan movies. And you get that in this movie. Like mm-hmm. you see, I, I was watching since I had seen it already, and I was watching it for my second time. I was like noticing the weapons that mm-hmm. show up later mm-hmm. in the movie because like at the end, especially uh, at the big showdown when it's um, all of the bad guys mm-hmm. lined up against Evelyn and she has to fight with love, uh, Michelle Yao's character, they're all holding the most insane weapons. Some of them have guns, <laughs> but a lot of, because yeah. like the people from the Alphaverse are like armed because they mm-hmm. knew they were, but some of them just have like chopsticks or scissors mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. like whatever. Like they have the craziest weapons. Uh, one lady has a broken coffee mug, like mm-hmm. a jagged coffee mug and she's holding yeah. it by the handle. And I was like, Looking around the movie in the early parts around the IRS office and being, oh, that's going to be a weapon later. Oh, yeah, I remember when that turns into a weapon. Oh, that's, you know, and it was, it was reminding me of those old days with the Jackie Chan movies. It was also reminding me of something not to harp on Marvel too much, but here we are, uh, because I can't stop myself. I'm a runaway train. Um, Nothing is real in any of those movies. And I'm Mm -hmm. not just talking about like excessive green screening. I also mean like they don't. they don't trust their actors or directors enough to even let them have objects in the room that aren't like glued down. Like yeah. I show me a movie where Captain America moves like where he walks into a room, you know, and he just like adjusts a picture on the wall, you know, yeah. just like tips it. Cause it's a little crooked. Show me that ever yeah. happening. Like, you know, it just isn't, they don't interact with their environment because they're not allowed to, mm-hmm. because it's not part of what they're there to do. And when you look at this movie, it feels so lived in because yeah. it feels yeah. like the environments, all of them are ridiculously rich. E- even when they're like cluttered and dingy, totally. like the apartment, yeah. it's so rich. There's so much to look yeah. at and see. And if, Michelle Yao's character Evelyn or Wayman had wanted to as an in an mm-hmm. you know as a character choice go over to the fridge and move a magnet they could do that because mm-hmm. there are literally dozens of magnets on the fridge. Yeah, yeah. That just or doesn't things in the stairwell as they're going down and up and down from the it's just so much it's stuff. It's so yeah. much. Like it I just feels really lived It feels in, right? totally real. Like I was watching that new Ant-Man or not new, it's not the new Ant-Man movie because that one's just out still uh, in theaters, but it was um Ant-Man 2. I was rewatching mm-hmm. it. And Paul Rudd creates this like whole kind of maze with his daughter with the cardboard boxes. You oh, remember yeah. that? Cause he's under yeah. house, house arrest. Mm-hmm. And I'm looking around this motherfucker's house and I'm like, you don't own enough for you to have this many boxes. There's not enough <laughs> in the set. You don't have enough <laughs> objects in your home. Like it just doesn't gel. Like it doesn't feel real. And I know it's a Marvel movie and I should maybe he not. He went to the recycling. He went and pulled Oh, he's under house arrest. Come on. Yeah. You can drive a truck through that plot hole. <laughs> anyway, let's dive into the movie. Anyways. So what is the thrust of this movie? Well, I mean, if we you can, can sum can it up. So we can, I think, you know, if we're going to stay on the, the topic of, of, of pacing here, sure. I think let's it's, do it. I, I think the other aspect, you know, not just the action, I think was well paced. I think the fact that they broke it up into kind of 
three parts. I mean, it's two parts with like kind of a third finale. The third bit, is like such a short. Part. Yeah, it's just a little tiny part. But it, but but the idea of breaking it up into two parts makes it uh, feel really distinct, and it almost feels like you're kind of watching two different movies, um, which I think is very helpful. I think in a lot of ways, just you know, this does have a fairly long runtime. And I think just the breaking it up of the two different parts, and it it does one like the first part is very action focused, and the second part is very like philosophical, philosophical kind of, um, and neither part really drags. You know, like you're talking about the action part and and like the learning and trying to understand the universe and all that stuff, and and I think that does they do a really good job with that. I think the second part where it's kind of going in and out of trying to, uh, it's it, it's kind of philosophizing, you know, uh, kind of that existentialism, that nihilism versus, like, anti-cynicism. You know, oh, kind yeah. Of. Oh, um, yeah, the idea of, like, I think I read a little bit about this, too. Um, and I kind of, it's weird that I missed it in the film, but, like, the difference in the symbolism between the everything bagel, which is mm-hmm. the circle, yeah, yeah. or the googly eye, which is a circle but with something in it. Yeah. And yeah. the something that's in it is the is only there to bring you joy Yeah, that you have to find in it. Yeah. And yeah. that's like the duality that they're totally. kind of exploring exactly. in the movie, which, and, um, and they do it a lot throughout the film. They do it really a lot. Awesome. They really prime you. This movie really primes you from the beginning mm-hmm. for what's coming so that when it comes, it doesn't feel at all like, like Waymond is the googly eye guy. Mm-hmm. He's putting them on everything and she's annoyed by it all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the beginning of the film. Mm-hmm. And when at the end she learns that she needs to fight like Waymond and live like him as yeah. well, it's like, oh, the whole movie, he, he goes through changes. He goes, he, he's basically been saying the same thing for this entire movie. He's been trying to convey the same message this entire movie of just like, He's always finding joy in the moment. He's yeah. always looking on yeah. the bright side. He's always looking for the good in people. And like that's the googly eye. You know, yeah. like, yes, yeah. life is meaningless when you really think about the fact that like we're in an ever-expanding universe that might be part of an infinite number of mm-hmm. ever-expanding universes. It's very easy to succumb to nihilism. But like, you know, it's but it's been there from the beginning, which mm-hmm. I was something I noticed on this watch. Um yeah, it is. There are a lot yeah. of little cues throughout the beginning of the movie that tell you what's coming. Yeah, very first scene. The very, very, very first scene in the movie, you have this circular mirror, mm. and it does a slow zoom, and it's the whole family like laughing and having a good time and like singing karaoke. Right. And it's like you're talking about like this circle. Yeah, it's like a circular with something mural inside happening of it that's like this important moment in their lives. Yeah. And then, and then immediately, like, it changes and she shuts the door and the circle falls down on the taxes and yeah. it like becomes this like existential the black dread. hole yeah, yeah like and so and they so right from the very beginning they're giving you that like kind of interesting symbolism and there's so many weird i mean then they then they like i feel like they went over the top with they just they're like we're going to add as many yeah. weird circles like the umbrella that he has has like donuts on it and they work and in a laundromat like, yeah. not for nothing yeah, yeah. circles of 
thing spinning around yeah. and around and around. It's like and the the yeah. Jamie, J- the way Jamie Lee Curtis's character as the tax adjuster mm-hmm. um, or the the auditor circles everything yeah. like really She's bold, like really, like really yeah. angrily circles things on taxes. So then you end up with all these like big heavy black circles all over. Totally, and they eat bagels at one point in time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a part which is to the pacing of the yeah. film. Uh, to its credit, there's like when they're moving, once the shit starts to go off and like Alpha Wayman takes over and beats the shit out of those security mm-hmm. guards and then the cops get called and the building goes mm-hmm. on lockdown and everything starts happening, they really smartly move locations. Mm-hmm. Like it's a really, really clever way to do, um, to do expo- expository dialogue, which mm-hmm. you need to do in a sci-fi movie, especially one that has a concept that's like high sci-fi like this. Yeah. Um, you could either have lesser movies would have the entire conversation take place, you know, in one location. Smart movies have a little bit here and then they, for reasons, have to get up, run, and then go. Now they're in another location. Now they're in a stairwell. They continue to have the conversation yeah. a bit. Oh, now we have to leave the stairwell. Now we're crouching in a conference room. Have a little bit more of it. Mm-hmm. And it that keeps it moving along and it keeps, it breaks up the exposition in a way that sort of like doesn't make it feel just like so heavy. They, they also do this like meta kind of thing, which it never feels like it's meta, but like the amount of times that like Wayman goes, what are you not listening? How do you not understand? Right. Yeah. 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 This is absurd. And this is goofy. And like, or like the amount of times that people say, this is crazy is, is a lot because I think, you know, they understand like the absurdity of what they're trying to do. Sure. And, uh, kind of to that, that point, I think they like the funny part about that, um, is they like, Oh, I totally had something that I was going to say and I totally forgot what it was about. Uh, the craziness. Anyways, this is live radio. This people. is live radio. <laughs> Cameron, you we want can some cut this whiskey? out later. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to have a little bit more over here. Um, oh, and, uh, cause they just find all like the, yeah, yes, please. Um, they are always talking about like, oh, this is so crazy. That's so weird. And they're kind of giving the audience like a ability to kind of like tap out mm-hmm. of it a little bit. Um, and they and, you know, I think they did really smart in the way that they show this like super fancy technology is like 90s technology. Yeah, it's right? like, it's Bluetooth. You're, yeah, it's like a Bluetooth headset and like all the computer screens are like these old like 90s mm-hmm. computers. Yeah, and, and it's, it's like, like glowing like, things, yeah. like glowing lights. And, it's all very like, it's almost like, it's almost like, it's yeah. almost like, po- uh, excuse me. Mm-hmm. It's almost like um, television sci-fi. Yeah, no, for sure. Like and, from back in the day. And what they're doing with that is basically kind of saying to you, like, it doesn't really all that matter. It, it doesn't, doesn't matter. matter. It's much. a plot device. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, like you don't have to get super in to the fact that all this crazy stuff is happening because, mm-hmm. like, look at the weird-ass technology they're using. Yeah. It's, like, yeah. it just, this is the way it is. Mm-hmm. These are the computers they use. Yeah. Like, this is the world that we live in. Yeah. Now let's go from there. Let's just and go. It's just, yeah, and yeah. It, it works really well. I and mean, I think that, you know, that can easily be a good segue into, like, the uh, rewatchability thing. Because there's just so much that you can find, like, in the scenes. They use, so, once again, to your, like, to your notion of, like, real lived-in worlds. Like, it's just the practicality of what's going on in that world mm-hmm. uh, 
there's just so much that you can see and find like that weird technology or like, uh, there's some, they hit a lot of weird, uh, music things in there. Did you, um, they, uh, there's a line where, and back to kind of the exposition where, um, Wayman is explaining to, um, yeah, I know the, where you're going yeah, with this. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> to Michelle Yeoh. And she's like, he's explaining he's, about how, uh, just, Jobu Tabaki is like fucking things up and yeah. like it, you feel it. Everyone yeah. feels it. Yeah, and he like, has these lines. <laughs> lines. Yeah. Your hair never falls quite the same way. Your clothes don't wear right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and it's like from that song, Nine Days. This uh, is the story of a girl. <laughs> who kind of remarried Yeah. Yeah. That Which one is, hit wonder. Yeah. And they didn't realize that when they wrote that line, they're like, that sounds really familiar. Yeah. So they like went and like searched it and they're like, oh, it's a part of that song. No wonder it yeah. sounds super familiar. And then they uh, decided to take that song. Yeah. And do like three separate remixes of it really and they hit it in the movie in different parts like the song that they're singing when they're doing the indian dance is actually (laughs) that that song song. that's amazing (laughs) and like they just hit it in like different places it's uh (laughs) they made three different versions and they hit it in the movie and just like it's hilarious you know it's amazing because you're just like they just know how to play the whole like once again, that plays a rewatchability. You're yeah, like, no, yeah. You're like finding weird shit. I don't. In I don't know what. Like I don't know what what number of rewatches it would be where I finally realize they're doing that they're yeah. making fun of the. <laughs> it's, this is the story of a yeah. girl song. <laughs> I'll tell you what I did notice on this second rewatch. Um, I heard a sound, a sound effect, mm-hmm. and I was like, "Where do I know that from?" Because I it sounded so familiar. It's in one of the fight scenes. Um, it's when Alpha Gong Gong James Hong, um, he like traps uh, Evelyn against the wall with this like chair, and she can't get free. And um, so she like verse jumps, which is like where you tap into one of your mm-hmm. other consciousnesses from across the multiverse. And you get their skills. She verse jumps to the version of her that trained with the Kung Fu master, mm-hmm. her Kung Fu mistress. And um, the lady teaches her how, like, anything can be Kung Fu, can become a Kung Fu weapon, including a pinky. Mm-hmm. So she gets, like, pinky powers. And she has, like, mm-hmm. super strong pinkies and uses them to, like, snap the chair. And, like, mm-hmm. she's, like, causing people to go flying with her pinky. There's uh, there's a part where one of the security guards she's fighting with, or, one, like, one of the SWAT cops, um, she, like... Totally, like, gets him under the chin with the pinky, and you get, like, a nice close <laughs> yeah. close up with, like, a little slow-mo, and you get this, like, sound, yeah. and it's, it's, I had to look this up, so this is not just me. I recognize the sound. I was like, where have I heard that? Because I heard, I hear it a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't play video games. I don't own a, a video game console. I have a Nintendo 64, so I do own a, a console, but it's, it's a Nintendo 64, and it lives in the garage, mm-hmm. and I only have a handful of games, and one of those games is Super Smash Bros., and... Mm-hmm. According to what I read, it's the sound you get when you hit somebody with the home run bat. <laughs> <laughs> and they just like recreated that sound for her just like decking this dude with her pinky and causing him to go like flying pretty much up to the ceiling. It's so funny. It's so amazing. Yeah. Once again, it's like hiding it. In, and I think this, you know, this Not is... that that would come through if you're watching at the bar. No. But you, you know what? The that. visuals of that yeah. scene are still amazing, especially when and the pinky f- has a little bicep on it. Yeah. And they do the zoom out <laughs> and, the, and the and he flies up in yeah. the the air and they do this whole and it, it feels very like super smash bros oh like yeah that scene too because yeah. then he like she slams him to the ground yeah yeah and as he's crater, coming yeah. back down she does the yeah. double tap so he like really yeah it's it's you know and it kind of plays to this you know i was reading an article about 
why this movie... Because, you know, I've, I've talked about this movie with my parents, and my parents are like, yeah, it was cool. But, like, they don't feel as, like, ecstatic about it as I feel like people my age and younger feel about this sure. movie. And I think the reason is... And I, because I was reading this article about this person talking about this, and they said it is the first kind of movie that gives an actual feeling to like a post internet world. Mm. Like the whole movie in and of itself feels like the internet. Feels a little bit at times like scrolling TikTok. Yeah, no, it's just it's this overload of different elements and and lives lived and that lives that are being lived and and it's I mean they even say that like a hundred times in the movie. I feel like you know you're like anything can you know the movie is everything everywhere all at once and Mm -hmm. it's like that feeling that feeling in of itself where like you could do anything, be anywhere. I could quit my job. I could go travel around. Look at this person on Instagram who's traveling over here. I could become a travel blog person. Sure. Look at my friend who's able to go and do this. And you're Mm -hmm. like thinking about the lives that you could have lived. And it's like we live in that like closed world already. Right. And that's kind of like what drives this like existential nihilism dread is that we're like using social media and the internet in a way that like makes you feel that way. Right, because you're not like... Because you have now the ability to constantly compare yourself mm-hmm. to um, all these other people. The trap that mm-hmm. happens um, because most people are... Whether or not they're... I'm not calling people out for being narcissists. Mm-hmm. Like there's clinical narcissists and they're bad people. Mm-hmm. See the last president of the United States. Mm-hmm. But like there are just like... Uh, there's a tendency in all of us um, that to be a bit narcissistic, to mm-hmm. put ourselves, and it, 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 it even manifests itself in when we're trying to be empathetic. You know, we yeah. try to put ourselves in someone else's shoes. Why you? Why do you have to put yourself mm-hmm. there in the in the first place? Can't you just trust that their experience is what it is? Yeah. But we 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 try to insert ourselves into into situa- into scenarios and situations to understand them better. So, like when you are scrolling through social media through TikTok or through like Instagram or whatever, like there is a part of your brain that is basically replacing the person who posted that with Mm -hmm. you. Mm -hmm. And it's becoming a kind of like your experience or you're measuring your current experience against that as if it was a choice you could have made or a life you could have led, even if sometimes this this scenario and situation is way beyond your control, right? Like, so like it's a little bit like, doing the verse jumping and seeing better lives, getting addicted to that idea. Mm -hmm. Uh, Only in this case, you know, it is actually the character. It's, it's actually Evelyn's infinite lives that she has access to, including, you know, realities that are so different from ours that everyone has hot dogs for fingers uh, because apparently a la 2001, a space odyssey, a monkey with hot dog fingers beat to death a monkey with regular fingers. Yeah. There's, there's, and there's literally a line in the movie, and I wrote this in my notes, that says, not a single moment will go by without every universe screaming for your attention. Yeah. Like, and that's like the daughter saying it to, you know, Michelle Yeoh's character. And it's like, that is in itself, like kind of a homage to like the world that we live in right now. Like you're... There's not a, you're just being called at from all these mm-hmm. different areas in the internet. And so like, they were really smart in just kind of 
the creation of this because one is, yes, it is a family drama and it has this like craziness, but it is really kind of like speaking to the existential dread that like the daughter is feeling and that, you know, she gives to Michelle Yeoh at some point in time when she starts feeling the multiverse. Mm. But like, that's like a dread that I think a lot of people feel Mm -hmm. now. Especially younger people. Yeah, especially younger people. Which is probably not an accident in the script. No, not at all. Joy, who has, you know, spoiler alert if you haven't seen the movie, mm -hmm. the bad, the villain, Jobu Tabaki is... (laughs) is joy Mm -hmm. from the Alphaverse, the first Mm -hmm. universe to discover all of this multiverse stuff. And she, by getting pushed too hard by her mom, her mind broke and she's living everything everywhere all at once. And that's driven her to become this. She's also, she's super powerful, but she's also unhinged and and, and very nihilistic and depressed. And there are times when I catch myself uh, not to get too serious here, people, but when I'm going through it, you know, like I'm I'm an, I'm a millennial. I was born in 1985, so I don't know if that makes me a latter elder millennial or what. But like, I've been through 9/11. You know, this however many fucking financial meltdowns. There's all kinds of stuff. I still rent. Like, I got a car that's broken down. Like all this shit, and it's a. I have a tendency to, um, when I'm talking about that with my parents, like I can see this like dread. Mm-hmm. And they f- and they feel responsible, mm-hmm. but it's not their fault um, yeah. because you know they did the best they could, you know, yeah. and the, they didn't have control over the world, yeah. you know. Um, but it's like it's it's it could be argued that part of it is a product of the fact that I am from a social media age, yeah. where like maybe I wouldn't be so hyper frustrated with the way my situation is at times if I wasn't constantly comparing myself to 100% billions with a B mm-hmm. of other people around the world who mm-hmm. I now have access to through a tiny screen that yeah. I carry in my pocket with me yeah. everywhere I go. Um, and it's probably You're no jump mis- in multiverses with it's no mistake yeah. that part of the technology in the film for verse jumping and navigating the mm-hmm. multiverse is a little tiny cell phone, yeah. you know, no, with a sure. screen on it. Like exactly. that's not an accident. No, you know, not so. at all. And, and it, it's, it's exactly. And it's so, you can tell that like you're putting in Nintendo 64 references. You're putting in all these tiny little like millennial, mo- not even just millennial stuff, but like pop culture references, like Rakatui, you know, like all <laughs> these, like, yeah, right. yeah, like, <laughs> like all these like tiny little, and like even the multiverses have bizarre weird like pop culture references and 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 in doing that it makes it feel even more like the internet you yeah. know it makes it feel like oh yeah they're not talking about necessarily multiverses they're talking about like the world in which i currently am living. sure and, and which so is it, like a constant bombardment yeah. of random yeah that is anchored in some way or or filtered in some way through your own, and then again, I'm I'm not calling everyone narcissists. It's just how we operate. It's filtered through this internal lens we have. Of how does this apply to me, and where do I fit in with it? You know, totally. Um, shall we take a little detour into WTF factor? Let's do it because this movie is packed to the gills yeah. with the what the fuck <laughs> so factor. Much what uh, the fuck factor? I wrote down. I wrote down butt plug. Yeah, dildo sure. beat down. Yeah, and 100%. hot dog fingers. Those are those are very much uh, the what the fuck factor. I stopped I, taking notes also, after that point. There's <laughs> also a bunch of like random like lines that I found in this rewatch that I just like wanted to know more about. Like, 
when Wayman's eating the bagel and it has the cream cheese and he's like, he goes, oh, cream cheese. He's so happy because yeah, all the cows yeah, died. He's his... like, the cows, there's no more cattle in our universe. Just another like casualty, problem, of, casualty of, war. of the war against Jobu Tubaki. And I'm just like, why did she just kill all the cows in Alphaverse? I love it. I, I mean, know, like, it's amazing. Know you, you know, it's just but like she a, did, apparently. Yeah, it's just so weird. I mean, the, and once again, to all the weird references of like, you know, the N64 stuff. Um, yeah, there's just so much that's happening. Uh, Rakatui. Gong Gong's like mech chair at the yeah. end yeah, yeah. is like wheelchair that's like outfitted with all of this crazy shit, which this segue into something I noticed on this watch. Um, the way Alphaverse technology appears in our universe mm-hmm. is super weird. It's not really ever defined or explored, but it just sort of does. Like the cell phone that has the screen that shows you all the different universes you could jump to and like the connection to them. Like it, it first gets introduced because like Alphaverse Wayman is talking to this like team that he has. He's almost like jacked into the matrix. Mm-hmm. Like, he's on the move. He's with a team of people and they're helping him do stuff. And as the movie goes on, that sort of falls off because they get killed. Mm-hmm. And and then also it comes to a point where Michelle Yao doesn't need that anymore because she's just, she has access to everything without needing yeah. to, to act, to, to do any kind of like verse jumping stuff. She just doesn't by herself. She doesn't need the technology, but like the technology does still end up in, I, I'll say our world because it's the world of the film. Yeah, yeah. Like where does Gong Gong's crazy wheelchair come from? Cause they take he, him to the IRS he, and he's in a wheelchair. He's just so smart. He builds it. Do you not see when like, it he's arrives, got coffee pots and stuff all over it. Yeah. He just got, like took random is that technology. What it was? He just started like, and he just hashed it all together. Okay. Like, his buttons are all calculators. Like he just, he like <laughs> took a bunch of mediocre technology that was found in the IRS building. And yeah. he just like built. So that's more of that movie chair. of like the tactile nature yeah. of everything in the film. It's like and it's also used. like, once again, you're, just saying this shit's goofy like of course like don't don't take it too seriously like don't think about how this technology is working because the dude's using a calculator for yeah i mean it's like there's there's absolutely no reason for you to like try and understand 100 percent what's going on because this is obvious like yes this is about the multiverse yeah this is there's things happening but Really, it's about a bunch of other shit it's that you should all, probably yeah, think about a more. A metaphor for yeah. all this other stuff, yeah. right? Like yeah. you don't need to, you don't need to sit there and try to understand how no, the universe works. No, the right Just, at, the, at the moment when Gong Gong makes his mm-hmm. mech suit, and it and it appears in the film, it's like the second it shows up, the second you might start to have questions about mm-hmm. it is when uh, Evelyn and him have an emotional breakthrough Mm -hmm. that's been coming for the whole movie. Mm -hmm. So it's like, it's literally sort of like taunting you to Mm -hmm. like, do you want to go off on this? Like how silly this is? Or do you want to like be like, oh shit, this movie's making me think and like Mm -hmm. feel for these characters because they have the big emotional breakthrough. Like, how could you let me go so easily? Because basically the dad just like, you know, he he like, uh, he shuns her because she, you know, Goes off with Wayman, and there's like generational trauma there. Like, he's not a good dad. Yeah. But she's taking care of him in his old age. She's trying to help, you know, all this Mm -hmm. stuff. Um, Do you want to hear my crazy James Hong story, by the way? Yeah, let's do that. Okay, okay. So, James Hong 
Gong Gong. He's been in like a thousand movies. He's, he probably rivals Danny Trejo in like number of movies he's mm-hmm. appeared in over the years. Um, he's been in Big Trouble in Little Chinatown. He made an appearance in like Malcolm in the Middle. He's been in all kinds of stuff. He's everywhere. He's, he's Gong Gong in this. Um, so I used to work with a guy. Uh, he was a janitor at a place where I worked. And he started telling me one day, this guy's name was Pierre Slaughter which is in and of itself pretty awesome. Uh, so one day Pierre Slaughter tells me that he used to be a stuntman uh, back in, in, in the day when he was younger. And Pierre Slaughter was like really like weirdly religious, but it was like the kind of like, I guess we, we would we would now know it as something kind of QAnon-y, but back then it didn't necessarily, <laughs> that, didn't, that wasn't a thing yet. So he was just sort of like, that guy has weird stories. Anyway, he starts telling me about how he used to be a stuntman and the, and the, Biggest movie he ever worked on was a James Hong movie. And I was like, oh, cool. I know James Hong. And he starts telling me about this movie. I've never heard of it before, though. The movie is called The Vineyard. So if you can find it, it's out there in the world. I I was able to find it. It's called The Vineyard. And in the movie, James Hong plays a winemaker who lives on an island and invites a bunch of sexy teens to the island (laughs) uh, to taste his delicious award-winning wines. But what we learn throughout the course of the film is that he is an evil immortal who stays young by <laughs> uh, brewing sexy teens into his wines. And that's why they're so award-winning because they're made with like sexy teen blood. And he has a bunch of heavies and bodyguards that help him with his nefarious plan. And one of these heavies is fucking Pierre Slaughter, a young Pierre Slaughter. So this dude I used to work with is in this crazy movie where James Hong is like the <laughs> is the bad guy slash main character who's like kind of doing a Dracula thing. Like one of the girls that comes to the island, one of the sexy teens, is like reminding him of his long lost love. Like she looks mm-hmm. just like her and stuff. So they're kind of doing like a Dracula thing. Anyway, Pierre Slaughter gets thrown off a staircase in the film and it's an okay stunt. It's not great. It's fine. <laughs> but this fucking dude turned me on to the craziest James Hong movie that I'd ever seen in my life. And you best believe that when his name rolled by on the credits and it said Pierre Slaughter, I took a picture on my phone and I I showed it to nice. everybody who would listen. Yeah. <laughs> like, you got to see this movie. It's got a guy named Pierre Slaughter. So that's my James Hong story. There you go. He's, I mean, he also holds, and that's, you know, uh, there's so much humor in this movie and a lot of it's like an absurd kind of humor, but also of it, some of it's just like well-timed. It's n- the, none of it is like that weird meta humor that's kind of happening in like the, a lot of movies these days. Nobody spikes the camera in this movie. No. Nobody looks at the camera and goes, no. Oh geez. Ooh, yeah, I no. hate Mondays or whatever. Yeah. yeah. It's, it, there's no, like, it's just like, but my reason why I thought of that, I was, I was thinking of James Hong when he starts talking in English Oh, and, and they're like, like the when daughter. did Gong Gong yeah. learn English so good? <laughs> Daughters, yeah. <laughs> Stephanie's like, when did Gong Gong learn English? And it reminded me of this, I heard this interview where like this woman who um, uh, is Asian American and it was, I was listening to this interview because this came out after COVID and she was thinking about it and very COVID related. But like she said that scene, even though she like laughed and then she started crying because the idea of like all of a sudden being able to speak to your grandfather mm. and like not uh, because there, she was so separate from her grandparents and her grandparents were in China and they were quarantined and she couldn't talk to them. She was trying, she wanted to talk to them, but she didn't speak any Chinese and she didn't know how to talk to them. And like that like internal dilemma of like 
kind of like the age, second generation Asian American experience sure. of like trying to figure out how to communicate, right. but like done in a humorous way, but like it just hit home for right. so many people of just being like, whoa, what? Like how, yeah, it kind no, of no. like a jarring and it, and, it, and that plays, language plays a huge role in this movie. So much. Which is something we haven't even talked about, but like, yeah. Like Evelyn and Wayman speak English, and occasionally they are speaking Cantonese to mm-hmm. each other throughout the film, and then also that's peppered with English. Mm-hmm. Like sometimes they just say phrases in English, mm-hmm. which feels so like again another thing. I don't want to keep using the phrase "lived in," but it feels very authentic because mm-hmm. it's like maybe that's just a phrase that's more cap that better mm-hmm. captures a feeling they have. You know, some totally. languages just yeah. have these sayings or phrases that better, but um. There's also a through line where um, Evelyn doesn't feel that she feels inferior about her English. Mm -hmm. She doesn't feel that it is good enough at times. And there's a whole thing where it's doing like generational, like the generational immigrant story where she is supposed to have brought her daughter Joy uh, with her to their IRS meeting. Because she keeps getting tripped up on the language that Jamie Lee Curtis is using. Mm-hmm. And Jamie Lee Curtis's character is coded as being, at best, racially insensitive. At oh, worst, yeah. targeting the Asian American yeah. community. No, for sure. Because that's what they say in the film, at least. And she uses words like, um, she says she says something like, you know, uh, you know, the best I could see is that the worst I could see is this is fraud at best. It's just gross negligence. Mm-hmm. And Evelyn's like, you're always trying to use these big words to confuse us. Yeah. And then in the elevator, she's like, what even is gross necklaces? Yeah, Cause yeah, like yeah. it just didn't click for her. And then yeah. they make that joke later kind of with the ratatouille and, but she wants mm-hmm. to call it raccoonatouille or yeah. raccoonacouille or whatever. Raccoonacouille. Raccoonacouille. or something. Raccoonie. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but like, and then so like so that's something that comes up again and again in the film is like this idea of like communication and how like some of these problems are just simple communication problems like it's said at one point that um joy says to her girlfriend becky um that if uh evelyn calls you fat mm-hmm. or says something critical about you it just means she cares and loves you yeah. like there's a communication totally issue that's taking place throughout the movie and then you introduce onto that the compounding idea of a multiverse right and they even play that one off again at the end Mm. when the when michelle's like you should really grow your hair out you need to grow your hair out yeah yeah. to like uh what i can't remember what becky becky yeah Yeah. to becky because she's got like a cool kind of like shaved side of her head yeah yeah and it was kind of like that oh yeah it was like tells you to do something then she likes you yeah kind of situation it means she cares about you because she just called you fat basically yeah Yeah. (laughs) i mean it's yeah it they they hit so many notes i mean i I don't know if any of those factors actually fall into the what the fuck factor but i do think it does hit um yeah we definitely walked right off the reservation again we didn't we didn't stay very focused (laughs) on the one i mean those all could be a part of the what the fuck factor i mean just the it's fact that, that, that it all has, falls under the rewatchability. Yeah, rewatchability. <laughs> There's layers here, people. Yeah, like, yeah. yeah. I mean, and then you know, if we want to jump into like, because I I have some few things that are interesting. I think about the, I mean, just this movie is pretty. I yeah. mean, it is very very pretty very at. pretty to look at. I mean, they do so much practical effects, uh, set building. They do set building. They did not use their their entire special effects team was five people. Wow. It like you know when you think about, um, uh, what you might call it the the other multiverse multiverse of madness right they had I think like three 
like seven people teams working yeah. on that. They had like a full on effects companies. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, five different companies doing it. Um, this had one company of five people doing all the special effects and like a lot of its wire work. And I think it's also cool that, you know, because Michelle Yeoh's obviously, she's going to do all of her own stunts. Yeah. And then Key is like, yeah, I'll, I'll do all my own sh- stuff too. And yeah. then because you have this environment, Jamie, like Jamie Lee Curtis was like, yeah, I'll do all my own stuff. Like that scene where she's jumping down the stairs. Yeah. They actually yeah. put her on wires yeah, no, you in can tell that scene. Her. And she's like actually doing Cause she's like, I'm not going to let, you know, this is like a perfect opportunity for her to like learn how to use wires because she's working with people who are like skilled at wire work. You yeah. Know? And she's like, maybe like if I'm ever going to use wires, this is like the best This is time. it. This, this is, is the, the time, time for me to jump it. in. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just so, it's just so much fun. She I once mean. said, Jamie Lee Curtis, they had asked her how come she wasn't, hadn't joined the MCU. And she said something to the effect of, I don't want to go sit in a warehouse in Atlanta with dots all over my face. Yeah. Cause she was like, I don't want to make those movies. No. Yeah. And then here she is in this movie, like, flying through the air with doing her own stunts with the wire work, doing the like WWF wrestling. Yeah, you know what I, I mean? I love like that. it's so awesome to see yeah. it all happening. And it must have appealed to her, you know, because it's like she's doing the things in the movie. It's not totally a computer program of her with, you know, that's controlled by like what her facial expressions were yeah. recorded with some fucking fancy camera that you're not even totally. gonna see. Yeah. It's, it's cool. I did you I don't know if you looked at any of this, but the they did a Really cute. Um, so before they filmed every day, mm-hmm. they had a warm up. Is what oh, they called I heard it. about this. And the reason why I thought of this is because they in the bloopers reel they have uh, when Jamie Lee was was re- required to lead the warm because everybody had to lead the warm up. That's one day. right. Like everybody, they, right? Everybody. The, so whole like the whole production. Whole like production. Sound yeah. guy. Exactly. Extras. Everybody, everybody came in and and they had, Which had is to cool. do something. And it just like they brought the team together. They yeah. did everything together, and then they went off and did their did their stuff. Which for an independent film, by the way, wasting time is not something you're usually allowed no. to do. So yeah. that was a that was the directors. Being directors and saying, no, 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 this is important to our yeah. process. Like yeah. fighting back against probably A24 was probably up their ass. Like you're wasting time with this yeah. little exercise. No, sure. Yeah. No, and, and Jamie Lee did this whole like th- uh, thrust, hip thrusting thing and made everybody else do the hip thrusting. It's just oh, I like, love that. It's just amazing. I don't know. There, there's something really special, I think, I, I feel like in watching interviews and like seeing these people all together. I, it I has follow that, Key on it, Instagram and just they're like. It has that vibe, doesn't it? Yeah, like it does. everybody realized while they were there, like this is special. Yeah. yeah. Which it carries through because they all give it. Everybody gives it 100%. 100 Nobody's phoning it in. No. Not even not even a little bit. Like you just have people just in it's it's in like the intricacies of, you know, and that thing this probably plays back to the rewatchability of it all, but like just the small little hand movements and gestures and like the things that Michelle Yeoh just puts into the every single yeah. scene mm-hmm. of her just like either confused or like aware or like what's going on and just I don't know. There's they do a very good job of kind of like making it feel so real. She acts the shit out of this movie. Like yeah. so many of her little mannerisms and like the some of the shots that they choose like like she's a very beautiful woman mm-hmm. and she's obviously like an A-list Hollywood star and has been a Hong Kong movie star for a long time and has had international success and all this stuff. And like the 
amount of time the movie spends exploring her hands mm-hmm. and how they're aged. Mm-hmm. And they're mm-hmm. the hands of somebody who's been working for years and years. Mm-hmm. I thought it was super fascinating. Like, and I don't know if that falls into the rewatchability or is it pretty to look at? I guess it's kind of pretty to look at because it's yeah. like we're taking time to like show that this is a real person, yeah. not a movie star with a capital M. Yeah. Like this is a, and she is a movie star and there's yeah. even a reality where she's a movie star. But in the, in the narrative uh, line of the film, the the timeline that we spend the most time in, she's depicted as very real, totally. but not in a way that's like, um, no, no shots at the whale. I haven't seen it yet, but it's not like they put her in like a fat suit or something or like mm-hmm. put a bunch of, you know, really tried to age her up with makeup. They just were like presented her as mm-hmm. somebody who's been working yeah. hard to and create I, a life. And Jamie Lee Curtis also mentioned this about talking about how she just like the fact that she could just not have to be pretty in this mm-hmm. movie and just like be herself yeah. was like really fun for her. Which like, has got to be interesting for her, yeah, right? Because no, she's sure. basically been sexualized. Sure, she was sexualized from a such a young very age. A large amount of her career. I mean, anytime yeah. you're a scream queen and you, you know, you're in horror movies in the 70s and 80s yeah. and like no disrespect to John Carpenter and I love the original Halloween. Um, but yeah, she's definitely been always been that's been an idea that's been flirted with with her forever so it was kind of cool to see also to see her be big Mm -hmm. tall Mm -hmm. and imposing because Mm -hmm. she's not a small person yeah but you know uh dainty gals is kind of what hollywood likes and so if you have an actress who's like over you know 510 you're gonna cast an actor who's six four so that she looks normal and i'm using air quotes right to see jamie lee curtis just like towering over everyone in this movie was kind of neat too yeah no i mean you'd think of her in true lies oh my lord in heaven yeah the 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 sexy sexy dance dance scene compared to like what she's doing in this scene you're just like it's just it it's fun it's just so much fun to see her doing that i mean once again yeah this this show is very pretty the set design all the cause, all like the the jumping the, through the, the multiverse, yeah. the way that that's edited and filmed, it's so well, pretty. Yeah, once again, using practical, like they they when she gets pulled back through the multiverse, they put her in a chair and they ran, um, they put two LED screens next to her, uh, and they'd filmed uh, one of the Daniels like went around with a GoPro and like filmed walking on the streets a bunch and like in here and there and over here. And he like filmed all these like just fast moving stuff and they played him Mm. next to her. So it looked like she was flying through a scene and they put a, like a, a fan behind her so her hair was blowing forward. So it looked like she was getting pulled through the multiverse. And they were projecting it on these LCD screens so it's not even a green screen. No, it's not even a green screen. It's like practical I think there was like one instance of really obvious green screening in the movie that I saw and there's probably others here and there but when Evelyn is fighting with Joy and mm-hmm. it's kind of a bit of Joy plus Jobu like mm-hmm. to get like it's the line is getting blurred there and they're fighting ac- and as like they're moving across the screen fighting the background keeps mm-hmm. changing to different backgrounds yeah. I, that was like the one of the few times when I was like I think oh. this is probably green screen but they but went it, out of their way for the rest of the movie to avoid shit like that but even when they were doing that they were almost making it overtly obvious that they were using the screen. That was the, at that point, that was the point. Yeah. yeah, Right. There's like, it's, you're just jumping back and forth, jumping around all over the place because we're fractured at this point. Yeah. And it's like in a worse movie, you have even the rocks sitting on the ledge Mm -hmm. are like 
computer rocks. Yeah, yeah, no, no, it's like that's probably not like something that you need to like film in real life. Like that's something that you could probably pretty easily edit into digitally. But it's like, no, let's go find a cliff. Let's go find a cliff. Yeah, beautiful scenery, and we'll edit some rocks there. I heard that uh, Michelle Yeoh was the one who decided to say that you should just use subtitles because they were going to voice over that. Oh, and she was like, and she was just like, no, we don't need to be talking when we're rocks. And he's like, all right. So they like just put this, and it's way better. It I mean, is. It just hits. There's uh, once again back to like the language aspect of it, like just the fact that like you just kind of, it's just silent yeah. with subtitles, mm-hmm. like makes it just hit so it gives much harder. That scene, which because the movie is like so high energy and so mm-hmm. frantic and almost like manic mm-hmm. um that when you get that when you get that scene it's almost a respite it's totally. almost just totally. like a, oh okay i'm taking a breath here and then these rocks have this like super philosophical conversation <laughs> well that's like i think uh, when i first saw the very first time i saw this movie i walked out of the theater and i was like what did i just see i am like kind of in a little bit of a kind of a PTSD-esque moment where I was like, I need to talk to other people about this movie because I want to like talk to someone about it. Yeah, I remember you kept trying to talk about it with me, but I hadn't seen it and you didn't want to do spoilers. So I just, you know, as any person who wants to talk to anybody does, you just end up getting on Twitter and I just started scrolling through like people's like (laughs) conversations on Twitter about this movie. And one of the ones that made me laugh was like the scene where the rock like spins around with googly eyes, right? It has the googly (laughs) eyes on it. And if someone, and someone wrote underneath it, like, if someone told me that the most emotional I film I would the most emotional scene I would ever see in a movie in the last twenty years was a rock with googly eyes, yeah. I would have laughed in their face. And it's literally <laughs> like a rock with googly eyes going, I'm gonna get you. Yeah. And the other rock being like, No, leave me alone. I know. And if for some <laughs> reason you're just like at you know, I think I was probably crying at that moment. And I was just like, This is such like a weirdly emotional scene. Yeah. You know, and the same thing goes with like hot dog fingers, and you're like, you are taking yeah. things, and, and I think even like their Michelle relationship Yo, is like yeah. falling apart. Jamie Lee Curtis and Michelle Yao's relationship, where in the hot dog verse, they're a couple. Yeah, and Jamie Lee Curtis is like, I don't know what I did to push you away, and it's like you're watching this like outright drama unfolding on the screen in front of you about like these two people who have presumably been in love for a long time. They're both older women. And yet both of them have giant hot dog fingers. And they even like, there's, and there's so many like, and and I think there's something about this and this is, there are so many lines in this movie that are incredibly meta without being meta. Right. Like there's a there's literally a line in this movie where Michelle Yeoh goes, even in a stupid world mm-hmm. where we have hot dogs for fingers, we still find love. And it's yeah. like an incredibly like meta thing to be like, hey audience, this fucking world where people have hot dogs for fingers is dumb as it's shit. It's almost like you but- could <laughs> almost imagine like they film if they film this movie like out yeah. of sequence. They're like, uh, you know, Michelle, go ahead and ad lib a bunch of different, like, yeah. even in a universe where yeah. everybody <laughs> has unicorn horns. Yeah. Okay, try another one. Even in a universe where all of our no, totally. toes are jummy bears. Yeah. Like, and then she landed on the hot dog one and they're like, cool. Now let's, let's go ahead it. and reverse yeah. engineer a bunch of <laughs> yeah. shit so that this is like actually in the movie. No, and that's what I mean. It's like, it, it, it is authentic and it hits, like you feel it and yet like... It's so absurd. And they do the same thing because, like, then she, like, right after that scene, 
she like kicks. She like goes with her foot and she like kicks Jamie. And but instead of kicking her, she, she like pulls uses her, her toes into a hug and pulls her into a hug. And this is so she's like yeah, because she says even in a universe where where like we people have hot, universe, stupid yeah. universe where people have hot dogs for fingers, we'll still get good with our feet. Yeah, because <laughs> Jamie Lee Curtis is like playing the piano, piano with her with toes, her feet, and yeah. Michelle Yao does the like grabs yeah. her and pulls her Which, into a hug. Once again, practical. They literally had a person who knows how to play piano put on foot gloves. <laughs> <laughs> and play the piano I with love this that. like it's amazing. It's just like like what you they went through so much effort to make this like and I, the other thing that I thought was really awesome as far as like special effects goes, uh, I thought the colorful spinning colorful light was mm, so amazing to like the way when it would it was conveying to you that yeah. Evelyn was seeing the multiverse, multiverse yeah. and yeah that was a great great practical such a practical great practical effect and, you like can tell that and they turn so the fans on and yeah. stuff and you would get this yeah no I loved that too I really noticed yeah. that and it's like changing on their color but also like the light is glowing in their eyes yeah and so like there's like this. You you get this like look of awe and wonder and, and wonder everything. on yeah. their face yeah. as it's like kind of just all happening at the same time and it's and when you know it's just so pretty to look at and then you know obviously the when they are jumping through universes and they have like the hundred I've had I've seen a bunch of people like slow it down so they can see all the different multiverses mm. of yeah. uh, of her and it's like or when jo- when uh, uh, Jobu. Tabaki is coming after Evelyn yeah, in the, the one fight scene, and, and the weapon with her finger, in her hand. Yeah. The, the, she's got she's holding a weapon in her hand, and it keeps changing to like all yeah, these different yeah, yeah. things. That was cool. And and if you freeze on one of them, it's an Academy Award that she's yeah. holding to like <laughs> bludgeon her with, which is kind of funny. That's awesome. It's almost like they were yeah. like subliminally. But I mean, it's so well edited. I mean, like the, even you know back to Jobu, you're talking about like when she first shows up and she's like dragging her fingers along, the, and the yeah, and her fingernails are changing color. Her costuming in this movie Amazing. is top. Notch. Yeah, like, Dedek falls into the pretty to look at. Like, yeah, dude. Anything to do costume. with yeah, and that with plays Jobu. into the internet goofiness, but it also is just like, it's just like fashion, dude. Yeah, yeah like, like she good comes in dresses like Elvis, Elvis at first with a pig, with a pig smoking then, a cigarette. Yeah, oh damn, she just has some of the best outfits. Yeah. in this entire it's thing, incredible. And it and it really does though. Not only does the outfits like really just are fun and crazy and absurd. Like her, you know, her donut hair or bagel hair when she's like in the, in the, you know, the white chapel. But it also does this thing where when she changes into her casual joy clothes, yeah, you feel the sentimentality of it. Like mm-hmm. you can have this character like, absurd and crazy and then she switches into this like kind of normal like yeah. sweatpants and shirt and all yeah. of a sudden you're like we're having a real conversation and that and that like they do that so well and it kind of plays in, in this once again it plays into that like uh the multiverse is, is a tool that we're using but don't focus too hard on it like there is a moment where they're like talking about like the multiverse and da 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 and then all of a sudden like the movie just kind of like hits like, it, this is at the end, right? And uh, it just hits, like, the brakes for a second. And they're sitting, they're standing in a parking lot, and they're talking about, like, life and, like, uh, Joy is going to leave. Yeah. And they're having a conversation, which I guess, in technically, 
is about the multiverse. Yeah, about letting but, Joy go into the event horizon that yeah. is the, the everything bagel. But they're actually also having a conversation that about, could be very con- yeah. construed as just like life. Which is what what I was kind of getting at earlier with like seemingly mundane things. Uh-huh. The movie's trying to tell you that like sometimes something might feel like the fate of the universe yeah, is at stake sure. because this idea that you are tied yeah. to the multiverse and then, and that at some point in some place it is life and death for you. Yeah. And like, cause yeah, there there would be conversations like the whole like divorce uh-huh. through line that runs throughout the movie. Like uh-huh. there are points where she's physically fighting with, you know, adversaries and then gets pulled back into her, uh-huh. You know, gets pulled back into her kind of a timeline that's very adjacent to her normal one. And the fight that she's having is the fight to save her marriage. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, it kind of like, they do that a lot in the movie. Totally. But really, they hit it on the head right there at the end yeah. in that part in the parking lot where they really, she, Joy even says, just stop, just stop, like yeah. stop flipping between universes. Let's just talk yeah. right here. Let's, we're not going to hash it out in front of the event horizon. We're not going to hash it no. out in this like crazy, some sort of insane set or like whatever yeah. or like crazy location. We're just going to have this talk about like letting your kids go because it's hard to be around you as a parent. But yeah. that's all a metaphor for this other thing in a parking lot. Yeah. yeah. No. And it, and they do it also with sound because like you're jumping around and the sound is just like the soundtrack is just hitting and it's like doing all this stuff. And then all of a sudden they're in the parking lot and it just kind of, slows down like the the music kind of stops and all of a sudden they're having a conversation which is very much you know obviously about the multiverse but at the same time it's not it's like a real yeah life conversation talking about depression and family problems and all this stuff and it just like it is crazy how well they did that and had it hit so well and they also and you know then they also start doing a little bit of that uh they have some inter. They're pulling some interstellar vibes, which I really ah, like as well. I was wondering if that movie was going to get mentioned. Yeah, did you feel? Did you feel I did. I felt some interstellar vibes. Yeah, like vibes, that. Yeah. Like, because uh, what did she say? Something like, um, "Yeah, but even if nothing means nothing, I some you still tried to find me out. Like, what is love in the the yeah. the multi? Like in." In everything that there is, love still Loves like has thing. that like a, a Lo- thing that we don't understand. It's the it's the little yeah, it's the it's, little center yeah. of the googly eye. It's yeah, like, it's the thing that we don't understand, or the thing that's greater than it's a force. Know. It's a me- yeah. yeah. Is it a me- is love a measurable force? Right? Yeah, like yeah. if in a movie that like Interstellar obviously is a little bit more like it's a little bit more sort of nuts and bolts science. Yeah, science-y, it's not as meta. Yeah. Um, and and they also ask that question of like. In this movie, it's like love, like in a in an in an infinite multiverse, where yeah. where once you accept that that is what's happening, everything becomes meaningless. Yeah, love is what gives it meaning. meaning. Yeah, and love doesn't come from the multiverse. Love comes from you. Yeah. So even that the though you're at the whims of this this system yeah. that's beyond your comprehension, and if you try to comprehend it, like or you're forced to like joy or uh evelyn you yeah. break like the one thing you do have control over is how you find love and yeah. ascribe meaning to yeah. things yeah no and it's and i think you know they 
did it in a way that didn't feel super cheesy too because they kind of set it up in a way that they said like you know when they're sitting there talking to rocks and they're like you know before we thought the world was flat and then we understood it was round and then everything kind of blew everyone's mind and now we know there's multiverses and we blow each other's mind yeah and then they kind of bring that whole idea back around to this whole idea of like love and it's like yeah what if there's other stuff that we don't know. Yeah, something that's going to yeah. make us feel like even smaller and more insignificant yeah. pieces and, of shit, basically. And the only thing we do know is that, like, love is important. Yeah. And, like, but it, like, kind of, they did it in a way that kind of, like, once again, it just hit. It, like, it. Yeah, I mean, it's it's hit in a way that was a much more, like, is much more cathartic as a viewer. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, I loved Interstellar, and it was well acted and stuff, but it, it didn't win a million Academy Awards for no. a reason because yeah. it didn't, the characters, the lessons that they learned that the movie is trying to convey, it was just lacking in the pathos that you get from this movie. Yeah. It just no, for didn't sure. quite have it. And even if they're kind of knocking on the same door, yeah. like it just, Similar. this movie really takes the time and it, and it, I feel yeah. it's, it lulls you in. With like totally. all this crazy shit that's going on and all this comedy, because there's a yeah. lot of comedy in this movie, absurd absurdist comedy, yeah. that like suddenly you're like learning about yourself and you didn't totally. even, you don't know when it happened. They're not moralizing. They're not preaching at no. you ever. But Never. No. And yet they're hitting so many different topics. You know, they're talking family drama. They're talking like mother and daughter drama. They're also talking about like husband and wife drama. They're also talking about... um like nihilism father daughter like, drama for sure and also like whether or not it's like existentialism and the internet and everything happening at the same time and love and like being in the moment and using Taxes, kindness small and like, business yeah. owning it's just like they're hitting so many yeah, crazy, crazy notes that like all seem like to try and like give this movie a this is what it's about kind of tagline is really hard because it is so about everything. But that's like the way life is, yeah. is that we're, you know, we don't have a life about, oh, just one just thing. One thing. Yeah. It's just like all this shit is happening to us constantly and we have to kind of mud through the waters to figure it out. And this movie like describes that feeling and pushes it forward in a visual format to the point where we're like, yeah. I understand what's happening and how it feels. Yeah. You know, in a weird way. I don't know. I I think it's very well done. And I guess it's probably back to pacing, but it is. Well, I mean, it's, we can go down our, we can go down our list here as we start to. And then I've got a piece of uh, little trivia here I came across, uh, maybe before I jump into my list. Daniel Kwan, Uh one of the Daniels, uh, he's in the film. Yeah, that's not the piece of trivia. Uh, he's he's the one. <laughs> both of, the, of them are. In yeah, the both yeah. of them. Do you know who both of them are in the yeah, movie? Yeah, it's yeah, pretty funny, yeah. right? So, uh, one of the Daniels gets sucked into the event horizon. Yeah. Gets sucked into the bagel. He's one of the guys you see get annihilated. Plus, he's also a mugger in yeah. a different scene. Yeah, yeah. And the other Daniel is like, I guess, the chief of the IRS with the big office. That has yeah, like has a, a secret sex, sex dungeon yeah, in it. Sex dungeon, yeah. <laughs> and he's a BDSM yeah, guy, so that's yeah. kind of funny. Uh, no, but so Daniel Kwan. His fantasy is to get spanked by Michelle Yeoh or whatever. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. know. Uh, so Daniel Kwan, um, he found out that he had ADHD 
yeah. by doing research for this movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is crazy. I yeah. mean, he went and got diagnosed. He's not one of these people that's self-diagnosed on the internet, yeah. which, by the way, if you're one of these people, that's really offensive to people that have been diagnosed by yeah. a medical <laughs> professional or psychologist yeah. because they actually had to go through a lot of work to gain that diagnosis and just watching TikTok and realizing that you think you might be, it's not the same thing. So. No. Go visit a doctor, and maybe they'll tell. Yeah. They'll confirm. Maybe we'll see. Anyway, yeah. that's what he did. Uh-huh. He he got an inkling. He had a suspicion. He went and saw a doctor, and they were like, "Yeah, bro, you have ADHD." So that was yeah. weird because this movie is very ADHD, especially in the beginning. Yeah, her character is suffering from it hardcore. Well, they were originally going to make that. I heard that originally that was going to be a actual plot point of the movie. Yeah. Was to make her have ADHD. She seems like she has it in the yeah. beginning of the movie. And, like, and, they, and they probably just kept the aspects of that in, but yeah. without like making it. Because Daniel was really afraid, Daniel Kwan was really afraid that it was going to, um, or at least my understanding is he was afraid that it was going to kind of like ostracize people with ADHD and stuff uh, like that. Make them and feel, so like yeah. it was going to be kind of like more about that than the rest of it. And so... They're like, well, we don't need it. Let's let's take that part out. We, mm-hmm. She can have it. She well, can be it, it suffering can, from it or it whatever. It could run the risk yeah. of being like, oh, you don't have ADHD. You're just more a sensitive of all these multiverse versions yeah. of yourself, which is like not necessarily well, helpful. And, or it could just be like, oh, this is an interesting movie about ADHD and how people have a hard time concentrating. Right. Instead of about literally all the other all topics, the other we, topics talked about. Yeah. Yeah, we, sure. we talked about. So like, I get it. Like, I think that's a smart, it was a smart choice on them. But like, she still had very like ADHD I, I bet tendencies. you people yeah. who suffer from ADHD like really sympathize with her character, especially well, in the beginning sure. before she begins to kind of like just give in to the yeah. the, 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 uh, the multiverse and everything that's happening to her. Um, so in that way, super successful little layer mm-hmm. to this onion, which has many layers. Yeah. Uh, Russo Bros produced. That's weird. Really? All this Marvel trash talk. Yeah, Joe and Anthony, they're right there in the credits. It's producers, no yeah. Oh, wow. So, cool. yeah, that's wild, right? Yeah. If only they would have learned from this and then stuck around to inform Their Marvel's... TV show looks like garbage, too. Ooh, I don't know. I don't they have even, a new Amazon I, show. Oh, no, I didn't, I didn't even know. I'm not aware of this. <laughs> I'll have to see. I'll have to check it out when I get home. <laughs> it's not out yet. It's oh, coming out this month, next well, month. Well, I, perce- I watched. I watched a trailer, and I was like, this is so much CGI. Again, oh, no. it feels like... See previous episode speed where mm-hmm. we talk mad shit on the gray man mm-hmm. yeah. which is a, a russo Same. bros so much cg trash fire yeah um shall we go down the list I, yeah. I gave letter grades because you know we're we're talking about passing the bar over yeah. here so i went ahead and i said a plus for pacing because mm-hmm. at one point i paused this movie because i am the father of a 16 month old and i was watching it while he was napping and he was like i'm done napping so i was like cool i paused the movie an hour had gone by and i was like what? Mm-hmm. what? I just, I didn't even feel it because it was mm-hmm. paced so yeah. well. So A plus for pacing. I gave it an A for rewatchability. This is my second watch. Mm-hmm. I loved it. I liked it more even than the first time I saw it. When And I liked it a lot then too. So I'm, I'm definitely going to be revisiting this movie again in the future. The W2, WTF factor, that's an A plus plus. Uh, and one of the pluses is shaped like a butt plug. I don't know how you can get that emoji on your phone, but I have it on mine. Uh, and then is it pretty to look at? That's also an A. Yeah. Yeah, I, you know, I would probably uh, do similar. I have probably A uh, pacing, um, A plus. As I said, I, I have watched parts of this movie at random times because I, I bought it 
And so I just like randomly will turn on parts uh, depending on how I'm feeling. If I want to feel more existential or if I want to just like watch some people get yeah. beat up. Yeah. Like it, they're, they're both really fun. Um, I would say A plus on that. Rewatchability, yeah, as I said, I've watched it a few times. I think I always find something interesting in it that I didn't notice before. Um, this last time was all about just lines of dialogue that I just did not catch before. And a lot of it was um, Stephanie's character, Joy. Uh, just some of the lines that she had that were just so... Uh, like feeling of depression because like, she's not like actively like saying like I have depression, no. but like her she's lines. Exhibiting it, yeah. Ex- yeah. But she like, just some of the lines are just like some interesting, mm-hmm. like, you know, doesn't it feel great uh, to know that nothing matters, yeah. you know, yeah. like all this kind of like, it's dark. almost yeah. like some of the language you hear, like people who are early in the struggles with yeah. addiction, yeah, who are finding like peace from mm-hmm. their own internal struggles with the idea that basically like the weight of the world isn't on their shoulders because like you're just a speck of dust in an mm-hmm. infinitely expanding universe and yeah. you really don't matter. There can be comfort in that. Mm-hmm. The um, trap is when it becomes nihilism mm-hmm. when, yeah. and when you stop seeking joy yeah. or connection because yeah. you think nothing matters. Like totally. nothing matters is medicine and you yeah. take it a little bit at a time when you need it, yeah. but it doesn't, it should not become a drug. No, a, no. A, a, another totally. addiction to replace the previous one. Yeah. Right? And it's, and I mean, just rewatchability hundred percent. Definitely for me. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the what the fuck factory, obviously. Yes. That I think that is just <laughs> butt plug and bigger butt, butt plugs. Plug. I mean, the first time going into this movie, you're just kind of like, what? did I, is this really yeah. happening? Like, I cannot believe I'm in a movie theater. Like the look that Brian Lee gets when he, like when she, when Joy's trying to stop or Evelyn's trying to stop the one guy, yeah, the one of the two Lee his, brothers from yeah. getting the butt plug. Yeah. And while she's fighting him, the other one comes launching off this fucking desk pants off blurred yeah. out dick and he lands on it and the yeah. dust like flies up like yeah, a kung fu movie and then he just turns his head like yeah yeah i just it's so goofy i mean just the whole scene of her moving the butt plug around on the table and he just to keeps keep it trying away. to sit on it is so absurd and just so goofy that you're just kind of like i don't i am so like what I thought this movie was is just changed again. And yeah, I, don't, I like she defeats them both because yeah. they're both fighting her at the same time with butt plugs in. Yeah. She defeats them both by doing like a one-two and pulling yeah. the butt plugs, plugs out of side. each yeah. of their butts, and then they, and that's like know. what. Like. Or just I mean I guess even before that scene when or is it yeah it's before that scene when Jobu walks in and just. Beats the shit out of Kills him with those cops. Yeah. With oh, the dildos. beats him with the dildos. Yeah, yeah dildo beat like, down. It's in my destroys notes. Destroys him with with those dildos. Yeah, he whips out his nightstick and she yeah. takes his nightstick and turns it into two giant dildos yeah. and beats him to, like basically to death with them. That's like uh, I just saw a video on TikTok where this dude uh, on, on a construction site took out the dude's hammer and put a dildo in. <laughs> And so when the guy goes to hammer a nail and he just grabs a dildo and hits the wall and just like drops it immediately. Anyways, uh, uh, life goals. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's it's just the 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 shock value kind of of that, but it's so funny. That it is like Family Guy shock value. No, yeah. no, it's just like and I, and you know there's something about that too, and I think Justin like when you're talking about like this mother daughter relationship, right? It's been stuck in a rut so long like like 
they neither one of them know how to talk to each other mm-hmm. because they just don't know how to uh, breach that conversation yep. where like how do we have this conversation where we're actually talking about things that are meaningful yeah and it's kind of interesting because like the fact that she's like a run around beating people with dildos like yeah. it immediately takes you out of like the comfort zone like yeah. you're you're immediately taken out of this area where you're like oh I can't talk to my daughter the same way because she's beat people with I dildos. I just like, kill yeah. three cops and beat one guy. With and a I think that like giant that dildos. helps with kind of like the shock value of like how Evelyn might feel in that moment too of just like like whoa okay like because otherwise you're just seeing her beat people up and all the, but when you see the dildos you're kind as the audience member you're like oh huh all yeah. right and yeah. you kind of get that same feeling especially that with the feel. elements of like which don't get this is t- tells you that one of the directors and writers comes from a family of of oh. a, of asian immigrant parents like it's not ever over the, it's never explored or explained but it's there anyway like the fact that that sort of absurdist shit is happening is more shocking yeah no for sure f- to your parents yeah no, if your parents 100%. are not from the West necessarily, yeah. not to say that Westerners like there's you know all oh, yeah. kinds of conservatives and Christians and stuff in America as well and in, in the West as well, but like I, I you know I have a lot of friends who are uh, the children of Asian immigrants and their parents definitely don't go in for dildo humor. No, it's not something that they're even used to seeing. Talk yeah, sex talk yeah. at all or swearing, which yeah. is a thing that comes up in the movie a lot. So it certainly was meant to be extra super shocking to yeah. Michelle Yeoh's character to see her daughter beat a dude down exactly. with two giant dildos. Well, it puts the audience in the same position because all of a sudden the audience is kind of like, whoa. And then you can kind of understand like, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, Michelle oh, yeah. Yeoh also feels like, whoa, whoa, which is, you know. Once again, what the fuck? Factor yeah, the WTF well. factor cranked to eleven. And I love that. If I was sitting in a bar and never seen this movie before, and I just see this Stephanie beating people up with dildos, I would be like, what "Sorry, what this? movie are we yeah, watching? Yeah, what are we watching?" And the cop <laughs> spits out glitter and yeah. stuff. Yeah. yeah, you're like, "I'm sorry, what's I going on?" I would like to keep um, watching this movie. Yeah, and is it pretty drink. amazing? Editing is top notch. The way they cut scenes, the way yeah. they add scenes, the way they have scenes like play into each other where someone's being pulled from one scene into another. Yeah, that's a great like, trick just, they do. They do so much of just like well-edited movie and it with lighting um, and practical effects. Costumes. And costumes. And it is just beautiful to see. I really? mean, also just like, like they play into so much in style, even just like the weird hand gestures that they do, you know, like the kind of kitty hand gestures where they put their hands together, put their middle finger down and pull it apart. So yeah. it's like the two fingers going. Yeah. And I remember doing that in like elementary school. For sure. And the fact that they use it as like a plot device. A portal into the multiverse. the multiverse yeah. or the bagel into that area. Yeah. Or the two fingers together and you open them up. And I remember yeah. as a kid, you were like, this is what a vagina looks yeah, like. Yeah, you stick your, you do the, you do so, the Vulcan, yeah. live long and prosper, and then yeah. you stick your fingers with someone else, and you peek inside, yeah. and you're supposed to be like, oh, that's what a vagina... Yeah. And instead, in this case, it's like a multiverse. Is yeah, it's like you're, <laughs> you're <laughs> looking through into the... Yeah. And I just think that that's so, like, you know, visually, that is just so... The shot of it, like, going through the hand as that, when that, when they do that. And it like the camera angle of that going through the hand and then through the little slit into yeah. the multiverse. It's just like, just so they did such a good job 
of like cinematography and like light work and filming and it really was very pretty to watch without even any sound on yeah it's a gorgeous movie (laughs) yeah uh so i think that it probably goes without saying but i'll say it anyway that this movie passes the bar yeah uh if this was on in a bar tonight and i just (laughs) watched finished watching it today Mm -hmm. i would still stick around yeah and finish out the movie probably from Mm -hmm. whatever point i walked in at it so folks if you haven't seen it, if you've been living under a rock with googly eyes on it, <laughs> uh, the film is everything, everywhere, all at once. It's hard to find right now as we're recording the episode. Thankfully, I had a friend who loaned me uh, a copy so that I could watch it. <laughs> uh, but go out, find it, watch it, talk about it with your friends, take it to your local bar, see if they'll put it on, and uh, enjoy it because it's really worth your time. Yeah, Cameron, thank you for sitting down and talking about this weirdly philosophical movie on, <laughs> on a night that things got a little philosophical. Awesome. Thank you. All right, everybody. We'll see you next time. <laughs>